Kia ora, good morning and welcome into the SENZ Breakfast Show with Izzy and Ricardo. Big morning this morning. Brian Moylet is going to join us after seven. An Irishman living in Christchurch, ex-Ireland uh, under-19 player, now mental skills coach, done some work with the Crusaders. We'll get his take on the Six Nations. We'll also get his take on the Crusaders heading to play Munster as well in the next couple of weeks. We'll also catch up with Maz Quinn, Kiwi surfing legend, uh, in our learning segment and find a bit more about how surfing works competitively, how they score it, etc. Andy Murray from 442 Magazine out of the UK got a big midweek round of matches in the English Premier League starting today. We'll get his take on that, the transfer window and a few other bits of news. Mark Clayton in for Love Racing as well. And before 7 o'clock, a man who runs the Niners Empire in New Zealand will join us, Karam Shand, and we will talk about the San Francisco 49ers after they got past uh, the Detroit Lions and are heading to the Super Bowl. All of that and more to come. Izzy, good morning to you. How are you, bro? Good morning, Ricardo. You good, mate? She's a uh, dark old day here, high cloud, and... Uh... Yeah, not looking great out there, but feeling good today. Yep, feeling good on day three into my 10-day detox. And it was probably the, the worst day to have a barbecue yesterday. I invited <laughs> a couple of my mates over, and I was thinking, what have I done here? I forgot I was doing this detox. They come over, and I put on a nice um, roast lamb, beautiful salad. Uh, and you're not allowed coffee, mate. You're not allowed coffee. Mm. So the last time I did this detox, I didn't get any head, headaches. This time, I'm getting full-blown headaches um, throughout the day, so hopefully they disappear soon. But, mate, um, feeling good. I'm just I'm – I'm, I'm a bit worried about these holidays, mate, these, these school holidays. <laughs> the, the holidays they that keep on giving They just continue to go. They're never-ending, mate. The holidays are just never-ending. My kids – I don't understand this, but my kids go back Monday mm. – and then it's Waitangi Day on Tuesday. Yeah. So they get another day off. Yep. Like, come on. Most most of the kids in, in New Zealand start back this week. My kids don't start back till next week. Well, my daughter my daughter starts on Friday. Right? So they have <laughs> Why? a... Oh, well, exactly. So they have a... Because she's an intermediate, right? It's her first year of intermediate school. So the Friday mm. is just for the kids that are in year seven, or form one, as we used to call it. Right? Yep. So it's just the form one is for a day. So I guess without the older kids, and they get an orientation day. Then they go on Monday, but I think it's it's like a uh, parent teacher thing. So I don't think they're there all day. And then it's, oh, just half a day, is it? Yeah, and then it's Waitangi <laughs> day, and then they start on Wednesday. <laughs> oh man, my kids are well and truly ready for school. They've had a good time. They've had a good holiday, but they are scrapping the house down. I don't know what what are these devices? These devices that mm. they've got, like they are. If you don't go in there and control them, my kids could be on them all day. It was twenty five degrees, sun was shining yesterday, and I walk in the lounge and my curtains are shut. Yeah, and my kids are in there just watching TV. I'm like, get outside, man! What are you up to? Mm. What are you up to? You know, I I, I agree with you, mate. It's Tell you what, something to do with my missus reads up on all this stuff, um, mm. so I kind of get the secondhand information because she does all the all the hard work, much like this show. Um, and uh, and and she she's done some reading on research around the they call it the blue light that comes off mm. like uh, iPads and off phones and things, and then it does something neurologically to you. And with kids, it really it, it's kind of like 
you try and take an iPad or a, or a phone off them after a while, that blue light, and it's like taking crack off a crack addict. Like they just don't <laughs> want to let it go, you know. And they no. properly kick off as well. Uh, and so yeah, we're all about limiting that. Like and and we re- re- we reward my daughter with some screen time if she does other things. So she doesn't yeah. get the screen until she's been outside, done this, done that, done, cleaned her room, whatever it happens to be, you know. There has to be a plan. There has to be a plan. My son's the same. He loses the pot big time if you take the iPad off and he starts getting emotional. I'm like, mate, calm down. It's not the end of the world. You're lucky you even got one, you little bugger. Yeah. Um, but one thing I learned yesterday is uh, one of my friends is a teacher, mm-hmm. and she said, um, she said that, that if there's a certain window. So the schools actually, each individual school allocates, uh, they have a, uh, a period where they have to do so-and-so teaching days. So it's up to the school. Because this has been a long holiday and they're going to start February, that means they're going to have to go later in the year at the end of the year. So it works out the other side. So at the end of this year, they finish hell early. Uh, hopefully they can go right up to Christmas Eve and then uh, we can. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, sw- I'll swing by and pick them up with Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and saying that, I've had a great holiday and it's been good to, uh, to create some memories uh, with the kids. But yeah, just yesterday I was a bit like, man, they need to get out of here and get back to school. They're ready too. Yeah, oh, they are definitely ready. My daughter's actually looking forward to going back to school, starting a new school, something new. It's a new adventure, you know, so that, that that's that's good. We can't wait to get her there, just quietly. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's crack into this. Round one, five. The triple threat, our three big questions of the day. Yeah. And Izzy, I don't know if you saw this, mate, but I was, I was just perusing around Fox uh, Sports' website yesterday afternoon. And it, wow, where's this come from? Why have I not heard more about this? Mm. New Zealand Rugby League to interview Wayne Bennett for the Kiwis job. No brainer. Well, how do you not see that news? It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be sleeping under a rock. Um, look, I, I don't think it's as clear cut as, as people think. Look, we want our own, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the reality is we, we can't. At the moment, we've got an Australian coach in the, the Warriors, and he is having success, and everyone's up and joy about this. We don't know who the other applicants are. Um, I saw Stacey Jones on the weekend at the Karaka Millions. He looked happy, smiley, didn't say anything about the um, about the top job. You know, I know Kempe's very vocal on him being coaching mm. in, in the Kiwi side, and you know, we want one of our own to coach the Kiwi side, but the reality is if there's applicants in there that aren't quite, you know, cutting the mustard, then that's a no-brainer with Wayne Bennett. He was an advisor for Stephen Kearney in 2008, arguably our most successful year for the Kiwis outfit. Um, so, yeah, it, it depends on the, the other applicants. You'd have to say that you'd hit, you'd hit um, you know, the CEO, what's his name? Greg Peters. Greg Peters is... Is getting inundated with applicants mm. to coach this job, and particularly from New Zealand. So you've got Stacey Jones that could potentially take the role. Who else have we got that potentially we want to see our own coming through the ranks that could coach this? Stacey Jones is the only name that really springs to my mind. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Nathan are, Kalis. Nathan Kalis would be the other one that mm. that, that would uh, that would be there. I, I don't know if he's quite done enough yet, but no. I mean, I, I also think that, you know, you could, 
look, there's a couple of guys running around in the, uh, or have been running around in the uh, in the Super League. Willie Po Ching, he was head coach of Wakefield yep. for a little while. Um, they weren't overly successful, but that was more to do with the size of the club, I think, than his coaching talent. But he probably needs to get another job or assistance job first to ground him in, in the NRL sort of side of things before uh, they push that button. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, Wayne Bennett's... I think- Sorry, Rick. I, I think that's the reality there, eh? the mm. experience. Like, mm. are we going to go and just – is this going to be a stepping stone to hire on? Are we going to go for a tough time to allow this an experienced coach to come into this group and coach the the, um, the Kiwis, although being a, a Kiwi? Or do we want to win things, win competitions, continue to dominate Australia? And Well, not continue, but we beat them 30-0 in their last outing. And and get the results, and Wayne Bennett. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and and I wonder too. I mean, Wayne Bennett's. I was going to say his uh, job at the Dolphins finishes this year, right? His mm. contract runs out, so yeah. he, he's looking for something to do. Do you put Wayne Bennett in charge? I mean, like he's seventy. How old is he? Seventy two, seven or something like that. Do you put him mm. in charge for a year? And with somebody like a Stacey and Nathan underneath him, and then there's, there's a handover. So you've got that that kind of thing just so you get some of that um IP, you know, and in, into the into the new coaching group. Well it's February. Yeah, hundred I, I totally agree. Like you, you give someone in there that's gonna gain our, garner experience from Wayne Bennett, but February's when they're gonna announce the applicants. Mm. And it's pretty much a couple of days out from February and it's been it's flying under the radar. Now Wayne Bennett's throwing his hat in the picture. It's just gone bang. Um, so I'd really like to know who else has put their head in the ring and we're, and who else is going to be available and, and probably push. Because Wayne Bennett, for me, he'd probably be the last option. The last option? Okay. He'd probably be the last option for me just because I'd love to see someone within New Zealand having a crack. If I'm going to be completely honest, I'd love to see Stacey Jones have a crack. Oh, I would I think he's I think he thoroughly deserves it. He's been grinding away for the Warriors in the background. My only concern is he's never really wanted to be a head coach and take that pressure that the head coach role brings. But I think he's ready, and I think he he deserves an opportunity. What do you reckon? Double eight, double three, the Kiwis coach. You Wayne Bennett fan, you want to be a part of, you want to see Bennett coaching the Kiwis and maybe potentially getting them to some more success? Would you like to see someone else in the ranks have a crack? Stacey Jones, Nathan Kalis, Willie Poaching. Let us know, double eight, double three. Round two. All right, Phil Gould has absolutely transformed the Bulldogs. Um, Raymond Faitala-Marana has moved to the Dragons, and that means now that there is not one player from the 2021 squad. Right, That's only, what, two full seasons ago, three seasons ago, um, left for the 2024 season. I mean, that is amazing that he's managed to turn over everybody in the squad in that shorter period of time. Can they challenge this season in the NRL, the Bulldogs? What do you think? Uh, just quickly, Shane Flanagan and the, and the Dragons, what's their team <laughs> like at the moment? They're just currently getting the leftovers, aren't they? Oh, 100% they are. <laughs> he just sits here with his mouth open going, ah, I'll have you, ah, I'll well, have you. It looks like they're going to sign Toy Pilotu from Manly, and I reckon yeah. that's probably going to be their best signing. Mm. You know, and he's a guy that's... You know, well, I don't know if you'd say fringe. He's a really good player. I like to eat a lot too. He's a, he's, a, he's a really good finisher. He can play fullback as mm. well. But, yeah, yeah, that that's a great call because the Dragons are, uh, yeah, they're, they're coming up like they've got the beggars bowl, mate. They're, they're just getting what the cast-offs. 
They are begging. <laughs> They're getting the leftovers from your family meal at the moment. Uh, look, are they going to challenge this year? Look, I think they'll be better. Um, there's a reasoning why Serrato and uh, Phil Gould are doing what they're doing. And I don't think they're going to challenge any of the top eight this year. I went out on a limb a couple of years ago and said it, and they came dead last. Like They, they have struggled. Um, the, the upside is, when you look at their back line from what they have at their disposal, they've got Stephen Crichton, they've got Josh Adokar, Bronson Zeri, you've got Connor Tracy, Jacob Caraz, you've got Toby Sexton, Matt Burden. I think all the eyes will be on Matt Burden. You know, has he got another six? What has Toby Sexton got that could allow to unlock um, Matt Burden? One player that I'm really excited to see how he's able to play is Blake Tuff. Mm. Yeah, from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Saw what he did. He's only a small bloke, but when he played fullback for the Rabbitohs, he was, I thought he was tough and a very good player. And, well, are you saying for me that Blake Tuff's not going to play and Stephen Cronin? I don't, I don't one bit see Stephen Cronin play fullback. What do you think? He's going to be in the centres? Yeah, I'd chuck him in the centres. Mm. He's just not quick enough for me. Like, he's he hasn't got enough out-and-out space, uh, pace. You know, what's he like in the air? He'd probably be good. He's a tall bloke, but I just think centres his position. Then you chuck Blake Tuff at the back, and that gives me a little bit more confidence knowing that that's, that's the back line for me. So do, are they going to challenge this year? Probably not. No, they're definitely not. They're not going to challenge? Okay. It's a rebuilding year. Okay, it's gonna, they're going to they're going to have a year of getting getting all these systems in place, and then they're good to go for twenty twenty five. Also, the, this is uh, uh, like uh, question two, subplot B. Uh, mm. But Tavita Pangai Junior. He retired last yep. year. Said he was sick of being told what to do by coaches and halfbacks, and so he was going to be a boxer. I'm like, mate, you got a coach in boxing who tells you what to do as well, just quietly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, most recently seen at Broncos training. How filthy would you be if you're the Bulldogs if he turns around and signs with the Broncos after retiring six months ago? Uh, you'd be pretty filthy. But in saying that, um, Pangai Jr. was was just coasting, really, wasn't he? You know, he was coasting at the Bulldogs. He played a couple of games there for the New South Wales Orange, Origin team when there was a lot of question marks over him and his fitness. So, look, I've made that decision. That will be a full stop. And um, if there's an opportunity where they take on the Bronx, I'm sure they'll be they'll be ready for it. But Viliama Kikau uh, and Kurt Mann and, and the and the Ford Pack, that's a hell of a combination that will will be you know looking to rip in this week uh, this year. So, oh look, Phil Gill will be a little bit livid because he went out and, and said what he said, and then he's come back and did a U-turn. But this is what's said and done. They're moving forward. They've just <laughs> complete clear out, and they're ready to go on. Round three. All right, according to Ticket IQ, which is a ticket aggregator out of the US, the average secondary <laughs> ticket market price listing for a ticket to the Super Bowl, all right, so this is not the t- the A-list tickets, this is just the in the bowl somewhere, mm. average ticket price, $10,752 US. What it's up seventy percent on the <laughs> on the average price of last year's Super Bowl. Well, what's the most money you've spent to go on and see something? Sports, concert, whatever. Are you doing this for a reason? No, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. I just went, wow. It, it may be that event, Rick Dog. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that so, event, possibly in Miami. <laughs> yes, in Miami. 
We went over and uh, did a week in Miami, and I won't tell you the number that that week cost, but it cost a wee bit. Uh, and I'm pretty sure those Super Bowl tickets that we got, and they weren't A-list. They're, you know, you're a midway up that stand mm. and to the right of it a little bit, you know, you, you're looking down and from afar. I think, from the top of my head, they were like 10,000 US, maybe 12,000 US a year. Wow. To go and see a game. Yeah. Wow, so that is, um, that, that, that is I, I, didn't, I didn't think that I was going to get that answer. I didn't think it would be that much. Yeah, they were, they were around 10K each for, wow. for everyone. Uh, then there was like six of us there. So uh, it was expensive, but, mate, we got to see Shakira. We got to see J-Lo at halftime. We got to see Paddy Mahomes win his first Super Bowl. And now look at him. And Travis Kelsey up against the San Francisco 49ers. And that game, the 49ers are up by 17 points heading into the final quarter. Tyreek Hill gets hit open and, and changes the game. Oh, it, was, it was such a good watch. The the um, the military planes, the Navy planes going across the, the roof before the game. Oh, they just do things differently in America. Mm. But, um, yeah, look, I went and did that trip and I came back. And I got home, and while Daisy was meant to go to uh, Coachella, yeah, and Coachella <laughs> was cancelled because COVID hit that year. Ooh! So I got to do my week's boys trip. She never ever got to go do a week <laughs> Coachella trip, uh, and she's just, still holding it in her pocket. Oh, mate! Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I was. I was going to say, I bet you still hear about that. All the time. All the time, yeah. All the time. Oh, and man. that's, yeah, look, I probably wouldn't do that again, but it's an experience to go to the Super Bowl. Rick, like, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime to go and watch the Super Bowl in Miami. And, uh, yeah, it was good. All right, well, let us know. What's the, what's the most you've spent on a ticket to see something? Whether it be a band or a game or, or whatever, let us know. Double eight, double three. want to hear from you and your take on Wayne Bennett as well uh, as possible coach for the Kiwis. Double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. We want to hear from you and we'll be back with your messages shortly. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's range of mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. SENZ Breakfast, 627. You can get us 0800 150811 or on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases. Adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Plenty of texts coming through. Izzy, uh, Matt saying, I just saw all three Foo concerts. Wow. Near the front for all three. Mrs. came to Christchurch too and with flight accommodation and Fantas. It was Fantas. And, and oh, and Fantas, right? It was about eighteen, <laughs> about an eighteen hundred dollar week. Money well spent. Cracking week, boys. I think there's a lot of people out there that went to the Foos concert too, because I saw this passionate Foo Fighters fan right at the front of the stage in Christchurch, and then I saw a photo in Wellington. She was exactly there in the front <laughs> stage, and wearing the same t-shirt, and she was looking exactly the same, excited as hell, watching the Foos. Yeah, well, that's Man. awesome. That's also that's dedication. Isn't one I, enough? <laughs> well, I, I to be fair, a few years ago, Metallica on the Death Magnetic tour, mm. they came to New Zealand, and they played Christchurch first, they, yep. and they did back to back nights in Christchurch, and then they disappeared. They went back to the states, and they did, and then they came back about maybe six weeks later or something, a month later, and they played Auckland two shows in Auckland, and I went to all four. 
Mm. Yeah, because that's you know my favourite band. So <laughs> I was like, oh, why not? They don't come around very often. So, so what is it? What is it about going constantly? Like, is it just because you're in awe of of the band and like? Because I was sitting up, standing up there, and I was front row to watching Josh Freese, and I was like, holy, this guy is talented. Being up and close with genuine musicians was was an awesome experience. But then just seeing people that will fly around the country to go watch their favourite favorite band, is it, is it just like something different? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, you know, Metallica haven't been here since then, right? So mm, it's mm. Uh, you, you make the most of it while they're, while they're here. And the I other hear th- they're coming here soon. Well, I've heard that uh, yeah, there's going to be some announcements soon, I think, but it's probably going to be early 25, from what I understand. Ah. Uh, Pearl Jam may be November this year, I'm hearing too. So there uh, might be some big gigs coming our way. I'm hearing Eminem too. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. Coming to our shores. Did you see him? Does that excite you? No. Okay. Um, not, but you know, each to their own. Each to their own. Did you actually? Did you see Eminem at the uh, at the at the Lions game? <laughs> just yeah. at the Lions forty nine. Just giving everybody the double digits. Like yeah, <laughs> um, that, that was that was funny. But um, the other thing with Metallica is they play a, a, a completely different set every night. Mm. They decide what they're going to be. It's going to be in the set about two hours before they play, and then they go and jam it, and then they come and play. So they probably play about five hours a night, like doing that. That's stuff. awesome, man. Nah, I've got a lot of appreciation for for those bands and David Grohl. Just seeing him rock out for three hours, so good. But awesome. Yeah, plenty more texts coming through too. Charles says the most money I've spent on anything was the 2011 Rugby World Cup final to watch Izzy play. <laughs> yeah, I think they were pretty expensive. Mm. I, I can't. Yeah, I don't can't remember this. Uh, I got a couple of tickets for. Uh, family members, I think they're about a thousand bucks each, and they're right up the top in the nosebleeds. So, yeah, I guess guess him where you are, but well, there'll be a couple of grand. I know over in in France at the, at the Rugby World Cup, there are thousands of euros to go watch the Rugby World Cup, particularly in the final. Yeah, would have been massive. And a few other texts come through on uh, who should be coaching the Kiwis after news came out of Fox yesterday in Australia that Wayne Bennett is going to be interviewed. Uh, I think Wayne and Stacey, Kiwi coaching team, Mm. uh, would be the dream team. That's from DJ Tim. And why would you give the Kiwis job to someone with no big game coaching experience? Give the job to the best applicant and give that person a couple of fresher coaches to mentor. From Mark. Yeah, that, and that's a good point, Mark. And you know, if if the applicants, the other applicants aren't quite up to it or aren't experienced or don't have any big game experience like Wayne Bennett, then it's just an obvious choice, really. Really, but I don't know. I guess it's the question here: if we keep continuing going offshore with our Kiwis coach, what does that say to the up and coming coaches here? We're going to lose so many, so much talent offshore. You know, how would you feel if? An Australian come over and coach the All Blacks. I know it's not the same, but you know you'd be pretty livid. Yeah, and, you, and you'd feel like, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's touching on what Kempe said last year, right? So Kempe yeah. around the match thing, he was very adamant that you can't do two the two jobs. You can't do New South Wales mm. and New Zealand because clash of interests, conflict of interest. Yeah. But Wayne Bennett's job at the Dolphins is done now. One of the things that uh, at the end of the season is done. One yep. of the things that Kempe mm. said is he wants somebody in charge that will create a pathway for Kiwi coaches. We need someone coaching the coaches so that there are more Kiwi coaches coming through. Mm. Mm. I don't hate it for a short-term option if that is yep. what ends up happening. And Wayne Bennett is the kind of guy, he's mentored Stephen Kearney before, he's mm. the kind of guy that could set up that coaching pathway system. But they need teams to coach. Yeah. Yeah, and there's only, what, two teams? Unless you go into the barter card or, or the, the national competition. So, yeah, I can... 
I can see, yeah, with Wayne Bennett stepping aside from the Dolphins, that just allows him to solely focus on the Kiwis. And the and the clarity and the detail of the role, you know, is it just him coaching the Kiwis or is he going to be going around doing coaching seminars, getting a group involved with him to be learning and learning the ropes and kind of understanding what the role entails? Yeah, look, if that's if he's the likely choice, then I'm not too phased on it. But if Stacey's involved and Stacey's put his application in, I want to see Stacey coaching the Kiwis. Yeah, 100% with you on that. Keen to hear from you as well. Double eight, double three, the Tempa Bedpost text line. It is 27 away from seven. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 25 away from seven, and it's back to work time at Bunnings Trade. Time for some sports news headlines for you as well. And uh, lots of news in the world of rugby. You heard Araha just there before. Well, the Black Ferns, it's also been announced they're going to kick off their 2024 test calendar with three home tests against the USA, Canada and Australia as they look to defend their Pacific Four Series title before heading to Aussie for a potential O'Reilly Cup decider. The host cities' venues and kickoff times in New Zealand, the USA and Aussie are yet to be confirmed, but the Black Ferns will play each of their three tests in front of home fans, starting with the US on Saturday the 11th of May. Uh, the Black Ferns will also meet the Aussies Saturday, May 25 in New Zealand and what will double as the first of two matches to decide the O'Reilly Cup. The return match uh, in Australia is going to be on Sunday the 14th of July. World Rugby's Pacific Four Series will double as qualification for the W. Uh, 15 as well with the three top teams securing their spot in the 2024 edition of the Division 1 of that the three-tiered Global Women's Tournament that kicked off in New Zealand last year. So it uh, looks like they're committed to bringing that through, is he, and, con- and continuing to develop the women's game? Yeah, continuing to, well, continue on from that success. A couple of years ago when we had the Rugby World Cup and on our shores, um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time for women's rugby players in, in New Zealand. Now they've got that old picky that has been extended. It's going to have uh, more rounds. They're getting more money. So, yeah, it's only going to be great, good for the game of rugby. And when you're facing USA, Canada, Australia, um, you know, quality sides, probably not your top sides in terms of top-tier nations in, in the women's game, but they are growing the game of rugby in their nation. You, know, you think the last test we played Canada over in Canada, we were pretty close. They were... I think they were leading for most of that game. We had a red card to Amy Duplessis, and it was a tough day, but we've found a way to get over them. So, yeah, look, this is this is an exciting time for women's rugby in New Zealand. Yep, indeed it is. Uh, now, Mashir Khan has smashed his second century in three innings and followed up with figures of two for 10 off 3.1 overs as India registered a thumping 214-run win over New Zealand in the first game of the Super Sixes round at the Under-19 World Cup. Now, India got sent into bat, and they were led by Mushir's 126 ball, 131. They scored 295 for eight in their eight overs in New Zealand, then blown away by Raj Limbani and left-arm spinner Salmi Pandiev, who finished with four for 19 from his 10 overs. New Zealand all out for 81 in Bloemfontein, New Zealand's third lowest score in the history of the Under-19 World Cup. And interestingly, Matt Rowe, uh, from yep. the, he, they rested him for this game. He's our top wicket taker. He's our top wicket taker, and they didn't play him in this game. Yeah, look, I don't think that would have made a hell of a lot of difference. Batting is where we're struggling. When you get rolled for 81 off 28.1 overs, and you, you go down convincingly, yeah, you probably might have... 
you know, dampened or, or made it a little bit easier for the total to chase. But, nah, India just dominant and continue on. How are we, is that our first loss? It's our, it's our first loss at the Super Sixes, yeah. Well, it's okay. our first game in the Super So we've qualified for that. They're the top four, so they all play each other again, and the top four qualify for the semis. So... Not yeah. not all over yet, but uh, yeah, not a not a great result. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix have added another proven winner in Justin Salas to the men's squad to help with the club's push for a A League title. The midfielder is on loan from Costa Rican champions Deportivo uh, Saprissa for the remainder of the season. He's twenty seven. He's played seven times for the Costa Rican national team, including two appearances in the last World Cup. Uh, he says he wants to lead the Phoenix to their first championship. He says I come from being a three time champion with Saprissa, and I want to be a champion also with the Wellington Phoenix. That is my mentality. And uh, Giancarlo Italiano, the uh, Phoenix head coach, said his mentality is what the team needs. He said, when I spoke to him, his first goal was that he wants to win the championship. That's the first thing he said to me, and I like that. He wants to win something and create something special for the club. He's the sort of player I want on the team, someone who's here to make us better. Bang, he looks very talented. (laughs) They, um... They're still flying. They got the Brisbane Roar in a couple of days. Uh, how you you happy with how things are unfolding? They had that red card and uh, match ban a couple of weeks ago to Barbarossa, was it? No, Tim Payne. Tim Payne. Yeah, mm. yeah. So no, they're, they're tracking pretty well. Uh, it's interesting. They uh, Brisbane Roar have just announced the signing of Marco Rojas for the rest of the season. Oh. Um, he's been without okay. a club. He was playing in Chile for Colo Colo, which is like the bit, one of the big clubs over there. He's been out at a contract, so he signed on for the rest of the season. There's a lot of conjecture that the Auckland club, when they come in, he's going to be like one of their marquee signings. But uh, so um, Phoenix fans, New Zealand football fans, be good. The next game, you get to see Marco Rojas play for the Raw against uh, his old side, the Phoenix, as well. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, so get up the Phoenix. Get up the Phoenix. Going well. Uh, those are your sports news headlines. Bunnings Trade can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. Keep your texts coming through as well. Double eight, double three. Dave in the Mount. If the greatest rugby league coach of all time wants to coach the Kiwis, then we need to welcome him with open arms. This is professional sport. Stacey Jones will have his time. Bang. Dave. Yep. Wait your time out, eh? Yeah, if he is the best coach, then you've then you got to get him in, but. I'm pretty sure people out there will have their opinions. So keep them coming through, double eight, double three. Yeah, it is 19 away from seven. We're going to talk Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers, next. It is 13 away from seven, double eight, double three. The Temper Bedpost text machine want to hear from you. We've got a text from Paul we'll get to shortly. But before we get to that, there is such a thing in New Zealand as as the New Zealand Niners Empire. Uh, which is a, a group of 49ers fans. They base themselves at Foxes in the Viaduct in Auckland. They go there to watch all the games. And uh, the man that uh, organises all that is Karim Shand. So does that make you the emperor of the 49ers, Karim? <laughs> How you doing? Uh, <laughs> just the president. <laughs> I wish it was the emperor, but yeah, sounds better. Hey mate, you no. must be uh, bloody chuffed after that result. It was uh, you were limping your way through the playoffs, or weren't you? Oh no, we're just playing around. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's been uh, it's been so stressful. I mean, these last two games, it's just you know, I'd, I'd rather win it in the first half and just you know relax in the second. But you know, they they like to do this to forty nine fans and just uh, put us through our. Um, our oh, heart heart attack levels, you know. <laughs> but no, it's been it's been 
pretty intense. And I'm, I'm so proud of this team, really. It's, I've been following them since 83, so it's it's good to see them come back like this. Comebacks, I love it's it. Good. It's it's good to see them back in the playoffs and uh, competing for another uh, Super Bowl title, mate. Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant. Uh, there was a lot of conversations on him. I don't understand why people uh, having doubts about him, particularly with the season he's just had. But how impressive was he in that uh, game against uh, the Detroit Lions when he had to get the team back from nowhere and he found a way, particularly with ball in hand, rushing yards. I think he rushed for fifty odd yards in that game. Yeah, he did, and, and he's such an unorthodox runner. When I was watching him run, um, and mo- most quarterbacks slide, right? So this guy just mm. falls straight down <laughs> on his on his face almost. <laughs> so I, I was a bit, I was like, please just hold on to the ball, just hold on to the ball. But he's uh, he's got a bit of pace, and I didn't didn't realise that. And um, yeah, he he's just he's just clutch at the moment. Some of those throws like to juice on the sideline and he just avoids the sacks and you know it's just heart in the throat stuff and it's uh it's it's good to see but man <laughs> stressful as i said Do you, are you are you more but, convinced that brock purdy is the uh is the answer now that you've seen him come through two tough games and and have to bring that team from behind and find a way to win ah uh, yeah definitely um he's he's definitely the, the man for the job um and he deserves a huge contract. <laughs> the poor bugger. I mean, he probably could even afford Super Bowl tickets, to be honest. Um, Who can? Back at his on now. <laughs> yeah, well, man, I just I went online yesterday. I saw one for fifty two k. I thought, is this US dollars? I said, geez, I can't need to win a lot of. <laughs> yeah, but no, he's diff- definitely um, the guy for the job, and and he's, he's just proved it time and time again. I just can't understand why. The NFL analysts aren't giving him credit half the time. I mean, he does have some backup, but yeah, it's just every day. Yeah, it's a different story. They'll find a different fault in him, so it's really unfair. <laughs> Mate, just but, just on the the rush defense, they probably got exposed, particularly for Montgomery in that game uh, on on the weekend from the rush defense. I think it's the most they've leaked all season, and that was a concern with Isaiah Pacheco with the um, Kansas City Chiefs offering a bit of support for Patty Mahomes. Is that a a, a place uh, in their game or, or somewhere where you think that could be a concern? Yeah, um, I'm, that's that's one part I'm really concerned about is, is their rush defence. And um, yeah, we just need to plug up those holes because even, even on the side, they're just running running around us. And it was... I, I tell you what, that first half, it looked like we were butter. They were just cutting straight through us. Um, the way that they're running, and uh, I think um, I think Kansas. I mean, we hate running quarterbacks, and I, I am a, that's that's my concern with Mahomes, and he he will take advantage of that. So, um, and yeah, and they're running backs here. He's got he's got a bad guy. Is he? He's he's bloody good too. So, I'm sure he'll run run through us a bit. But I'm hoping now, uh, Fred Warner. Um, We'll stop him when he gets to the next, you know, in the secondary. So um, th- those guys in the second half really stepped up. I don't know what was said at halftime, but man, they um, they stepped up. So I'm hoping they don't. They can't fall in that same hole against the Chiefs. They cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the interesting thing because the Chiefs ha- haven't exactly been on fire this season. They finished the season regular season eleven and six. 
They've actually got a better away record than a home record. But um, they have really plugged their defence, right? So they're, they're scoring less points, but they're conceding less points. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think it's going to be a high-scoring Super Bowl? I, I actually do. I think it's going to be very similar to um, the last time we played them. Revenge is on our minds. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, uh, both teams will get over 25, I reckon. 25 points each. Okay. That, winning, yeah, well, that, that, we had a Chiefs, uh, Chiefs fan, Steve Williams, on yesterday from the All Chiefed Up podcast, and he he predicted what did he predict? Thirty five twenty nine, I think, thirty five twenty seven to the Chiefs. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it sounds like you're you're in the same ballpark. Hey, Karen, before we let you go, mate, uh, if people are wanting to to watch the Super Bowl with the Forty ers fans, uh, how do they get in touch? How do they organise getting a a seat at the table, as it were? Um, we do have um, a, a site on Facebook. It's the just search for um, the 49ers Booster Club of New Zealand, and the details are within there. It is a locked group because you know we don't want all that spam stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> but we we do have um, we have a heck of a lot of 49ers fans both in Auckland and in Wellington. So there's there's two viewings that that we we got 49 fans there. So yeah, so looking forward to it. But um, yeah, they can get in touch with me. Um, once I get hooked up on that Facebook page. I can send you guys the details anyway. Yeah, no, that's great, Karen. Appreciate it, mate. Appreciate your time bright and early this morning too. Go well and, uh, yeah, good luck. The next 12 days are going to be nervous, no doubt. Cheers, Karen. Good luck, Cheers. Karen Chan there from the 49ers uh, fan group here in New Zealand. Kevin has texted through double eight double three. 49ers must win. They own Leeds United, the greatest team in the world. Debatable, Kevin. It is uh, six minutes away from seven o'clock. Couple of minutes away from seven o'clock. Double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, Paul has sent this one through. Uh, thank you, Paul. Morning, team. I bought a couple of tickets to the '99 World Cup pool game between England and the All Blacks at Twickenham from a dodgy East End pub. From an advert in the New Zealand News, paid a ton of money we couldn't afford, hoping they weren't counterfeit. Got in and was sat with English fans all around us. Got to 16 all, and I think Jonah scored, and my mate stands up and starts spraying everyone. Didn't think we were going to get out of the stadium alive. Great times. <laughs> Sing, uh, sit with the English fans, got in 16 all, and I think Jonah scored, and they start spraying us. <laughs> oh, mate, I would have been too um, I would have been too worried that they were going to be counterfeits, particularly when you're buying them from a pub, and you're thinking, okay, are these real? Are these Travago? Anyway, with, uh, it wasn't meant to be. Paul and Howardy went and had a hell of experience. Well done. Yeah, thanks for your text, Paul. Keep them coming through, Double eight, double three. talking about the, the most you've spent to go and see a game or a concert, etc., let us know, double eight, double three. In the next hour, we're going to talk rugby with Brian Moylet surfing with Maz Quinn as well. Right now, though, here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Kia ora, good morning, and welcome into SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. It is four past seven. It is also tradies hour with night and day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. Coming up on the show... Surely Brian Moylet, a, an Irish mental skills coach now based in Christchurch, a former Connacht and uh, Ireland under-19s player. He's going to join us. We'll talk a bit about the Crusaders going up to play Munster, talk a bit of Six Nations as well.
We'll also catch up with Maz Quinn, New Zealand surfing legend, uh, to learn a bit more about surfing, how it works, how it's scored, etc. as well. After 8 o'clock, Andy Murray from 442 Magazine will join us and talk to us about the transfer window and the midweek round of Premier League games that get underway today. Uh, we'll talk to Paul Mawadi as well from the TAB and catch up with Clado, Mark Clayton for a Love Racing update. All of that and more to come your way. Keep your texts rolling through as well on double eight double three double eight double three is how you can get hold of us on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Uh, Izzy, as a former Crusader, how excited are you about seeing the team do something this different? I don't think I've ever seen a Super Rugby team go to the Northern Hemisphere for a preseason game. Oh, it's great. I, I, I think the last time they went to the Northern Hemisphere was after the earthquakes. I was actually a part of that game. We played the uh, the Sharks. We played the the Durban Sharks and the Tile Sharks, sorry, and we played them at Twickenham at a sold-out Twickenham Stadium. Well, the, the lower level was sold out. It was mm. awesome experience and raising money for the Christchurch earthquakes. And we got up against a pretty competitive, I think it's great for the game. You got our biggest, one of our biggest brands in the Southern Hemisphere going up to the north, facing off against some teams that are historically very good. You got Munster that have always been competitive, probably haven't got the rewards or results that they've wanted in the last decade or so, but they're still being really competitive and they're taking on one of the new teams, Bristol Bears. So I think it's great for growing the brand. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about this season, Ricardo. Uh, it probably people think it's the Crusaders are going to continue on this championship, hey, hey Cameron. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as people probably think. <laughs> um, yeah. We're losing Richie Moanga, who is the Tom Brady of that, that, that franchise. He's gone. You've got um, Razor Ray gone. There's just so many different changes. You've got Taha Kimara, uh, Rivers Rehana that are going to potentially have a crack at 10. 10 is your Brock Purdy. So there's so much pressure going on these blokes. But, um, yeah, so I'm a little bit nervous for the season, but awesome to see them going up north and facing off against some some quality sides. Well, a man that knows more than most about what uh, is in store for the Crusaders when they take on Munster in Cork is Brian Moylet. He is a mental skills coach now based in Christchurch, but formerly has been a, a, an Irish under-19s player and captain the uh, Connor under-20s as well. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing? Cheers. Good morning. Doing really well, thanks. Uh, now, mate, uh, I, I know you've, you will have listened to that intro and heard what has he uh, said about the Crusaders. It is a uh, a new dawn, I guess, in a way, with a new coach and, and, and a lot of new players. A lot of experience has gone by the wayside. How well do you think the Crusaders are set up for 2024? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it is spot on and that it could be difficult with a lot of senior players leaving, Razor leaving, bit of transition, and certainly going to be a lot of challenges for Rob Penny, who's coming into the Crusaders to kind of keep up what has been happening over the last seven, eight years, which has been incredible. So I think there'll be a lot of challenges. And yeah, going up north is going to be so interesting because the two games that they're going to play, it's a part of their preseason, but for the teams for Munster and Bristol, it's like mm. the biggest game of their year. Like, it's massive for them. So there's going to be two incredible occasions up there. So we'll get a feel pretty quickly of where they're at. And it's kind of, I think it's pretty difficult for Rob Penny and those new players coming in to kind of be going into these cauldrons that, that will be there up north. 
Well, most of their experienced players in regards to the Crusaders are back here in New Zealand training, getting ready for the Super Rugby. So they're taking an inexperienced side up to Munster. Um, you know, what kind of challenge presents to the Crusaders when they're placing, when they're facing Munster? How's Munster's season? I know they had a they acquired Ollie Jaeger in the off season, who's potentially going to go yeah. be a part of that Irish side. Mate, Munster, have they been the Munster of old? They haven't. So they've been struggling, like you mentioned, the last few years. Although last year they managed to win the URC, which is like the domestic comp up there. And they beat Leinster in the semi-final, who were resting a couple of players for the European Champions Cup. Although it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because this is just so big. Like the guys like Peter O'Mahony, the new Ireland captain, he will be playing. Connor Murray, Alex Nankerville, chief Tasman player of the last few years. He's mm-hmm. in at 12 now, as you mentioned, Ollie Yeager. Tyg Byrne, another um, British and Irish Lion. So Munster will have their full team out, whereas the <laughs> Crusaders have all blacks left at home. And this, when I say this is going to be a big occasion, Munster play in Thoman Park, which is 26,000. They've moved this game to a Gaelic football stadium, which is 45,000 capacity. And it's sold out in a couple of days. Like the appetite wow. for the Munster fans the Crusaders coming up is just massive. Like you're going to have 45,000 fans under lights sold out and yeah, it's going to be raucous up there. And Munster obviously will have all the big guns out. They'll rest guys in the, over the last, you know, they've been resting guys throughout the domestic comp manager minutes, but they'll be going all out for this one. I'd imagine. Brian, you're a mental skills coach. That's what you do now. I mean, I don't know how much work you've done with this Crusaders outfit, if any at all, but how would you be talking to Rob Penny about approaching this, particularly the the challenge ahead, going uh, somewhere so alien to a lot of these young guys coming through and playing a stacked team in Munster? How do you get them up for a trip like this and 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 a season where it's really about rebuilding? Yeah, it's an interesting challenge and. Rob Penny, interestingly, has coached Munster. He was head coach of Munster from 2012 to 2014. So he'll know a couple of the Munster players. He'll know the environment up there, and he will be someone who will be in a good position to have a chat with those young players and let them know what they're getting into. I think, as well, experience is a huge thing, and he'll know that getting you know, those guys getting this opportunity to go up there, and it will really accelerate their development. So their development, playing big games, and that's going to be something big. And look, when you've he's been around the block, he's he's coached at top teams in Europe, in Japan, in New Zealand. So he'll have worked with lots of um, young players and be well able to to help them through. Yeah, what's going to be challenging first couple of games. Um, but yeah, just going back to the Irish rugby in itself, you're having a golden period at the moment. Particularly in the sevens, like the sevens, you just won over in Perth. You had the women's winning their first ever HSB sevens series. You've got the men's that are competing and beating the top teams and nearly winning uh, the big event. You've got your rugby, uh, your, your your teams, your national teams, your provincial teams are thriving. The depth is well ludicrous at the moment. You've just got so much talent coming through your your ranks. Is this a golden period time for Irish rugby? And, and why do you feel like you are having this cherry blossom run that you're having right at the moment? Yeah, it definitely is a golden era. 
like when I was growing up, I'm 31, when I was growing up, we were getting hammered by England by 50 points, mm. hammered by France by 50 points, like the All Blacks just getting hammered all the time. If we got one or two tries up in the first half, we were kind of happy. Whereas now, yeah, the last 10, 12 years, there's been a big change. And one thing moving here, you know, rugby is just played everywhere. Every small town has a rugby pitch when I, you know, driving around and it's just massive. Everyone is so mad about rugby. Whereas in Ireland, it's kind of the third or fourth sport. It's Gaelic football is number one, football number two, hurling number three, or rugby three or four. So what the IRFU, the Irish Rugby Union, did about 10, 12, 13 years ago is invest hugely into the academies and get the structures in place, get great coaching at that underage level. And I think it's a testament to the professionalism of the union and the provinces and the structures that are in place because we don't have the athletes like New Zealand have. Like we, everyone isn't wanting to play with Ireland the way I've come here. Everyone wants to be an all black. So Ireland, they, you know, there's Gaelic football, there's these other sports. So they've just done an incredible job of setting up the structures for these young players to be able to come through and build step from, you know, from the younger players. Um, built the, I suppose, the base wider versus focusing on the kind of top end players over the last 10 years. And, and, you know, that takes care of itself to an extent. You know, Joe Schmidt was an incredible coach and he was huge for changing the fortunes of Ireland and maybe even changing the mindset and psyche a bit as well. Like I remember when we beat the All Blacks in 2016, that was huge. And that kind of was a bit of a launch pad for Ireland as well. You think that's eight years ago, Ireland then went to number one and they've beaten the All Blacks a number of times and they now feel, since that day, I think in 2016, that they can beat anyone, which they can. And um, look, in between World Cups, we've done very well, but unfortunately not at them. So, um, yeah, it is, a, it is a golden period, but I think we all still want to get past the quarterfinal of a World Cup, but that's a, a chat for another day. Yeah, that, that is. But just, just on the, um, the, the national side, and you've got a day now where Johnny Sexton is involved involved with this side. You had the Rugby World back uh, Rugby World Cup backups. You had Ross Byrne and you had Jack Crowley. Not the, at the World Cup. You had Harry Harry Byrne and you had Joey Carberry. Joey Carberry was touted as to take over from Johnny Sexton and be the next ten that will lead you to glory. He's been injured. Can you see a place for for Joey Carberry? Who is going to be the likely backup and take this? continue this um, form on for Ireland going forward? Yeah, Jack Crowley's the guy. So he's the mm. guy who's been touted and he's the guy who will be taking over. The others have all had a chance and Joy Carberry has actually been announced that he'll be leaving Munster. So I think he might go overseas and it could be the end of his Ireland career. He, oh. like you're spot on, he was touted to be challenging Johnny Sexton five, six mm. years ago when he was in his early 20s. And he actually made his debut or his second appearance in that game in 2016 against the All Blacks. And he was playing our equivalent of Div 1 club rugby six months before that. So he just kind of at the age of 20, 21, got catapulted into the Ireland team, had some incredible performances, really exciting player, but then had quite a few injuries and just kind of has fallen away a bit. Jack Crowley is kind of the new the new hope, we'll say. Um, other guys have had their chance and done okay, but 
that's why you see Sexton playing until he's 37 and the reliance that Ireland have had on him because the other players didn't really get up to challenge him. The Harry Ross Byrne, who you mentioned, um, Carberry, and then Harry Byrne's a young guy as well. He's 22, 23. So Harry Byrne, Jack Crowley. Jack Crowley's the monster 10. We'll see him, I'm sure, against Crusaders. Harry Byrne is kind of the young guy coming through in Leinster. So those two will probably be looking to get in there. And I think Jack Crowley will have the jersey for the Six Nations. And he is a very exciting young player. But um, Ireland, certainly, when they lose a guy like Sexton, his leadership as well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward. But there's a lot of good players around him. Like you look at Bundyaki, Robbie Henshaw outside him. Mm. Um, you could have Conor Murray still there, the Six Nations inside him. So he'll have lots of support and senior guys there to help him around the field in the Six Nations. Brian, talking Six Nations, I look at it and I think, well, you know, there's there's no Johnny Sexton at Ireland. There's no Owen Farrell at England. There's no Anton Dupont at France this time round either. Feels pretty open. There's a lot of big characters, a lot of big leaders uh, that are missing from this uh, Six Nations, um, almost almost makes me want to go and back Scotland to win the whole thing. Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, how do you think it's going to play out? Yeah, I'm Irish, but I'd actually love Scotland to win Finn Russell and them to have a go. But um, it it's going to be really interesting. You're spot on. It's wide open. I think Wales are really struggling. Like Lewis Reed-Salmon has just gone to NFL, who's their you know star player. And they've had a lot of guys retire, and they're in a tough space, although they did okay at the World Cup. So I don't think they're going to challenge. You look at the, the usual England, Ireland, France, I think the winner will come from those three. But, yeah, it is wide open. You know, Scotland last year, they won their first two games of the Six Nations. They beat England in Twickenham. They can beat anyone. We, we all know that Scotland on their day, but just backing it up has been an issue. England, they had a lot of problems the last two years with Eddie Jones leaving, then Steve Borthwick coming in and not going so well. Until the World Cup, they lost to Fiji in the World Cup warm-up games. But they did manage, they had an easier group, and they managed to get some good results. And look, they got to a semi-final, they got third place. So that'll be great for those players. It's kind of a newish team. They're blooding through players as well, bringing through new players. So they'll get confidence from that World Cup, and they'll be looking to kick on from there. France have just so much depth as well. So I think, look, I think it will come from Ireland, France, England. Um, but yeah, I think I would also love to see Scotland have a run as well, like everyone with Finn Russell there. Hey, uh, Brian, we appreciate you coming on the show and talking a bit about the Six Nations up there in Ireland and, and your experience with the, the Crusaders briefly. But what are you up to, mate? Like, What are you doing back here in, in New Zealand? Can you tell us a bit about your role? Yeah, so you know, I, I came over here. I was actually in Vancouver playing and coaching. I was meant to play with Canada, but I had to retire with concussion. Um, two years ago and I was actually chatting to Shane Fletcher the Crusaders manager he was over there at the time doing some work coach development I was on the grass with him for a few days and he came on my podcast the Brian Moyla podcast and I was writing a book at the time the book on how you become a pro rugby player which is for young rugby players around the mental side of the game and I was just chatting to Fletch and he said geez, what you're doing, would you be interested in coming over to Christchurch? Like, continue, there's huge appetite for what you're doing around the mental side of the game. 
and continue your coaching career. I suppose I had been coaching on the grass for 10 years since I was 21. And then when playing stopped, that took over. So I just said, yeah, 100% moved over before Fletch finished the question of asking me. I came over and I've mainly involved with the country under 19s there before Christmas with their campaign. And now I've got the head coach role with Shirley Rugby, the Vikings Div 1. Um, we'll be working with Christ College, mental skills, first 15 next season. And yeah, getting involved with different teams around New Zealand and up until then a lot of work online. So I work with players one-on-one um, over across the world essentially at this stage and then teams online, coaches online and then yeah, since moving to Christchurch in the last 11 months ago, uh, I've just been getting involved with different teams and yeah, just really, really excited for yeah, season ahead and yeah, the work I'm doing with yeah, different different schools, clubs and teams and yeah, the provincial stuff, and yeah, it's, um, no, it's class. I just love the appetite for rugby that is down here. It's, yeah, it's different for us from from Ireland, from the Northern Hemisphere. It's, um, I suppose it's normal for you, but it's so cool how how just everyone loves it. Just just on the mental side of the game, Matt, it's great work that you're doing, and I'll be completely honest, it was very, very limited, the mental side of the game, when I first started playing rugby. Towards the end, there was a little bit more inclusion of the mental side of the game are you seeing a change in terms of that that part of the game and are the players really open to to getting help for the mental side of the game and and are you able to elaborate is it more in-game mental um, side of it or is it more just as a whole mental health yeah good question so I suppose both it ties in a bit of everything because you're dealing with stress and pressure, so giving players tools to perform at their best in games. So a sim- simple things would be like breathing techniques. So I did a you know a course as well as to become an advanced breathing instructor and giving players breathing techniques to access flow state, so that when they're in game they can get into the moment, into the zone, into the flow state, perform at their best. But also tools around games to deal with stress and pressure. So. You mentioned earlier, what would Rob Penny be saying to those young players? And just read Dan Carter's book recently, and he said, put a story in there of when he was a young player and went on the beer the week before a test match, was in a bad place, kind of feeling he left the team down and all that. He said he decided to go and knock on Gilbert and Oka's door and talk to the mental skills coach. And then from there, from that time when he was, I think, 23 or so, he just worked with the mental skills coach from then on, and it was a massive part of his preparation. So, yeah, it's a part of your preparation. And just to finish that with Dan Carr that time, just he was feeling he let everyone down. He was feeling he let the nation down, the jersey down. So that, when you mention well-being, that kind of ties into that as well. When you're feeling you're letting people down, and you'd know better than most that it's very difficult, it's very stressful being on that top stage. And, it can affect your well-being as well. So it is all tied in. And yeah, you work with players, it's, you work with players with whatever comes up with them. So when I'm working one-on-one with players, it's, yeah, it's whatever comes up with them, but it's certainly, you're looking at the preparation, you're looking at giving them tools to, to deal with stress and pressure and to be in the best place that they can be in so that they can play rugby. It's often about getting things out of the way so that they can just go and play. Because at the end of the day, when a player is 
feeling good, when they have a clear mind, when they're in a good place, they'll play their best rugby. And then, yeah, there's tools within games to improve your focus and attention and, yeah, play at your peak. But it's, it's everything, yeah, that you just mentioned there. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, Brian, thanks very much for your time, mate. Uh, it's been an insightful chat. Uh, we'd love to get you on again in the, in, in the future. Keep up the good work and uh, we'll stay in touch. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Really appreciate it. from brilliant chatting. Cheers. There you go. Uh, yeah, great chat. Uh, really insightful. What the work he is doing. Brian Moylet there with us, uh, now based in Christchurch. Uh, looking at the Six Nations, outright winner market, is he? France, $2.10. Yep. Ireland, $2.50. England, six fifty. Scotland, 12 bucks. Wales, 26s. And Italy, two fifty one. Yeah, there's so many experienced superstars that are out of the game, aren't they? Like you think, when was the time you had Johnny Sexton, Anton Dupont, and you had Owen Farrell out, and potentially Marcus Smith, maybe? Yeah, 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 exactly. We should talk more about that too, because he has uh, just limped out of uh, mm. England training and looks like he will be unavailable. Not sure for how long. They probably might not miss him for the Italy game, but beyond that... Yeah, well, he's yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it soon, but and it's it's an interesting Six Nations, but still, with all of those players out, experienced players, I cannot see Scotland winning the Six Nations. I cannot. Sorry, but I just have to say, I just can't <laughs> see them winning. Yes, they have Finn Russell, very good player, erratic but very creative, um, but I just cannot see them then going in and winning the Six Nations. All right, there you go. As he's made the call, what do you think? Who have you got winning the <laughs> Six Nations? Double eight, double three. the Temper Bedpost text machine. It is 7.26. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. 26 away from eight. Kennard's Hire are making back-to-work trade easy. Here are some sports news headlines uh, for you. League leaders Liverpool will not hurry injured talisman Mo Salah back from a muscle injury, uh, manager Jurgen Klopp has said, ahead of the team's Premier League ties against Chelsea at Anfield tomorrow and away at Arsenal on Monday morning New Zealand time. There was no pressure on him other than wanting to get fit as quickly as possible anyway. We don't rush. If you could rush the healing process, then Thiago wouldn't have been out for 10 months. You do what you can do, and whilst that happens, we have to wait. Mo's not ready for this game or the next. He's injured, and a muscle injury takes time. I mean, he apparently is he uh, tore a hamstring at the, uh, at the Africa Cup of Nations. I mean, that's an injury I, I, I imagine you've dealt with before. What's the recovery time to get back to full speed from that? Uh, depending on the tear and depending on where the tear is in your hamstring uh, is probably the, the important detail of that injury. Uh, if it's middle, then it's probably not too bad. But if it's high up to close towards your glutes, that's probably the, the biggest concern. So mm. it takes time. You know, I've I tore my hammy over summer, and I, it was probably the biggest hammy I've ever done. I never really did any ham, hamstrings when I was playing rugby. It was more calves mm. uh, and quad. I never did the hammy, but I yeah tore the hammy over the summer, and it was a, a big big tear. Like I heard it go crack, wow, and something tore. Uh, but that was a month ago, and I'm feeling pretty good now. Like I went for, a, I trained yesterday and I did a ski erg, which is using a lot of your hamstrings and felt fine. So yeah, look, I, I 
But you just got to take time. When you're a high-speed athlete, that's when you're at your greatest risk. So for, for Mo Salah, you don't want to risk it, particularly um, with, with a big season ahead and, and you know, looking forward to the future. So they're doing the right thing by Mo Salah. Yeah, all right. Uh, the Chiefs have announced 18 Test All Black Luke Jacobson as their captain for the coming Super Rugby Pacific season. Mm. The versatile Lucy was a standout candidate for head coach Clayton McMillan, who said... Luke has always been viewed as a future Chiefs captain and is prone to make his presence felt in a key role. He will have learned plenty following the deep footprints from some recent outstanding leaders, but is his own man and can no doubt cut his own path. He's played 63 games for the Chiefs since his debut in 2018. Obviously played for the All Blacks as well and was part of the journey to the Rugby World Cup final. Uh, An obvious choice, do you think, for the Chiefs? Yeah, definitely. I think it's the obvious choice for, for the Chiefs. And I think the question now is where is he going to play? Is he going to play eight? Is he going to play seven? I think the surprising was the co-captains, uh, the, the vice-captains. You've got Lachlan Boshier mm. and you've got um, Rame Kapoihipi. And those are two very inexperienced players that are going to take over the vice-captaincy role. So if Luke Jacobs is in, isn't on the field, one of those two is going to take over the captaincy role. Mm. And be a part of it. That was surprising for me. Are you surprised that DMAC's not in that equation? Uh, look, I am, but I think a lot of things that come into factor with your captain is when you're an experienced player, do you want to give them that pressure, added pressure to them to their game? You look at, he's got so much to think about already when he's trying to lead that team and control the narrative of how they play, but yeah, like you don't want to add, put that added pressure on them. So even him, you got Anton Leonard Brown, mm. they potentially could have taken over that leadership role. Look, they're, they're leaders within the group, but giving them that tag um, probably just adds a little bit more pressure to them. So look, I was, yeah, Luke Jackson, I think, yeah, he's going to start seven or, or eight, and if he doesn't start at seven, uh, who is uh, who is the open side for the Chiefs at the moment? Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that team lines up. We're going to have a member of the Chiefs with us uh, on the show tomorrow. And I can tell you that Luke Jacobson will be on the run home this afternoon, the new Chiefs captain, so you can tune in for that one. Uh, Scottish Premier League club Hibernian have granted permission to proceed with an investment uh, from a consortium that owns Bournemouth, the same consortium that owns the Auckland A-League club. Uh, The Scottish Football Association has approved the club's dual interest dispensation request because Hibs will now make progress with the Black Knight Group, which owns the majority stake in Bournemouth and 30% stake in the French Ligue 1 side Lorient. The consortium led by American Bill Foley is reported to have offered to invest £6 million in the Scottish Premiership Club, which is largely owned by the American-based family of late chairman Ron Gordon. Bang. Man, he's spending a bit of cash. He is. I he saw is. something on on TV on, on the internet the other day. He owns a big lodge somewhere up in Auckland, somewhere huge lodge. He owns <laughs> owns two wineries as well. Yeah, that's one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's, he's looking pretty good, and so hopefully we get some news on that uh, on the Auckland team's name and uh, maybe some player signings in the near future as well. Those are some sports news headlines for you. Ken Tyra making back to work trade easy with TradeStation gift card worth one thousand dollars. And uh, just quickly, John's joined us on oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Morning, John. Yeah, morning, gentlemen. Morning. I think it's um, absolutely great that we're seeing our Super Rugby mm. teams uh, go abroad in terms of the Blues and the Chiefs in Japan, and then you have the Crusaders over there in Europe. So I think what it's shaping out to be is we're going to have our own kind of champions trophy 
down this side, um, like they do up in the Northern Hemisphere, probably with Japan. Yep. And with the Rebels going down, uh, that might open the door for Argentina to come back in. John, just a quick question before we let you go, mate. Do you feel if La Rochelle Racing 92, some of the big teams, Toulouse, come over to New Zealand, that we could sell out a stadium and go and support them? Because they have said that, well, Brian just said that 45,000 are going to go watch the Crusaders without any All Blacks, any experienced players, play Munster. Look, I, I believe that I believe Eden Park can sell out. I believe even some of the Japanese teams with um, the big names they have over there can attract massive crowds in New Zealand. So it's definitely plausible, mate. And I think a Champions Trophy for the Southern Hemisphere should be likely in the next five years. Good stuff, John. Appreciate your call, mate. 0800 150 is has you. You can get hold of us or double eight double three the temper bed post text machine. When we come back, Maz Quinn joins us to talk surfing. It is a quarter to eight. Call us anytime, 0800 150 or you can send a text to the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. It is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. You can start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. Or just, see what, just wade into the surf. That'll wake you up at this time of the morning. Maz Quinn know all about that. Uh, g'day, Maz, how you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Whereabouts do we find you this morning? <laughs> um... I am checking the surf at Pines uh, <laughs> on Winery Beach. <laughs> no surprises there, yeah. Mazzy. Are you going to be anywhere else, mate? It was good to catch up with you over summer. Just briefly, I just messaged yesterday, mate, because Ricardo is particularly keen on learning how to surf. And uh, I don't know whether the, the weight problem will be a factor, maybe the, I'll be the, size, of the, <laughs> the size of the board. If you're going to teach a bunch of amateurs a bit like myself how to surf, where do you start, Mazzy? Where do you start? Um, <laughs> first of all, you get a good teacher, which is definitely not me because I definitely don't have the patience for it. But um, <laughs> And then the next thing is probably um, the, a decent-sized board. Um, depending on how big people are. So you're talking like a big male or something like that? Yeah, or even, you know, the best thing is um, is uh, one of the SUPS stand-up ah. board. That's the best. Like, cause it's so, they're so wide and they're so buoyant. Um, Sounds that, like me. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a perfect starting point because, um, well, everyone that, I've pushed into waves on those things, um, which isn't hell of a lot of people, to be honest. Is um, they all stand up? So yeah, just so so stable. All right, Mazzy, you've seen you've seen me and uh, flesh. Uh, you th- do you yep. feel like I've got a chance, mate, to have a wee crack? And how do we start? Like, where do we start? If we go and buy a board, do we just go and surf the whitewash, or do we go straight out the back and attack it? Um. No, the best thing to start is before you'd go out and buy a board is just get a lesson from someone. Um, that would be the easiest. And then uh, go from there and then, um, yeah, and then, then you'll know all the sort of basics and then you can sort of go out there by yourself. And, um, yeah, you'd hit, everyone starts in the whitewash no matter how, if you're <laughs> Kelly Slater, bloody whoever, they all start in the whitewash, mate. <laughs> 
Yeah, mate, uh, I did that a few. I did that a few years ago. Where my my uncle had like a, a thruster that was probably I don't know how to, how how big it was uh, that I tried to tried to teach me myself on in about two foot of surf and uh, just end up coming off and slicing my leg with one of the fins. But that's all right, you know. You you live and you learn. Um, yes, I mean the most the thing that you see that make the most common mistake is um, yeah people try and use too smaller boards. Mm. And that's it. You just got to start big and then. Sort of as you improve, you drop, get smaller board. As you get better, better, you know. Just like anything, as you will know with golf, when you start, you have crap clubs, and then when you're a pro like him, you've got the best in the business. <laughs> <laughs> All the gear, no idea, Mazzy. All the gear, no idea. Look, I've I've got no chance to have a crack at surfing. I went out a couple of times. I'm a nightmare, and I think even getting out the back of the waves is the hardest thing. I'm bloody knackered by the time you get out the back. Hey, um, I'm just, mate, you had a bit of a, bit of a serious accident. Uh, not so long ago, and you're in ICU, mate. How you recovered from that and um, that experience, mate, must, must have been pretty traumatising. Uh, yeah, no, it was probably the, uh, it is the worst by far injury of my life. It's not, I mean, I was very lucky as well. I got to mm. walk away at, at the end of it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's well, down in my it's a serious wave, and um, I've been surfing for 20 years, and that's the second time I've hit the hit the reef. So it's once every ten years is pretty good odds. I'll take that any any times for a wave like that. Um, but yeah, it was pretty serious. My um, partner and uh, my, my Freddie, my um, nine month old, he was probably about well, three months at the time. We're down there, and yeah, that sort of made it a bit worse. Um, but just like with most, um, like with a lot of injuries, there was just so many circumstances that were in my favour that day. And um, yeah, like I said, I, at the end of the day, after a few months, yeah, I'm back to almost 100% in walking. So yeah, that was the main thing. Um, I was just, yeah, going through my head at the time was, oh, am I going to be able to walk? <laughs> pretty much, am I going to be able to walk? But, yeah. yeah, it was pretty hectic, but... Um, here I am. I'm, I'm healthy now, and yep, almost 100%. So yeah, pretty stoked. It was a pretty harrowing experience, but um, to be fair, my whole surfing career, I haven't had any major injuries. So I guess mm. it had to come one day. Yeah, mate, it's, it's terrorising the the positions you put yourself into. Just quickly, mate, are you you're back to to full surfing? And what was it like when you took that first wave again after that big injury? Yeah, um, yep. Um, it was pretty cool. It was, um, it was yeah, it took out like a, yeah, like a quite a big board just to cruise on. And um, it was just down by my house, just walked out. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was only small waves, but uh, yeah, my partner in the hui, she was freaking out, going, can't go out. And it was, it was after like five and a half, almost six months. I was like, I'm, I'm going out, and then yeah, it was fine. Had limited pain, and it wasn't in my back or my ribs either. It was just my um, shoulder. So it was, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. Like it was only small, and um, it was only like sort of waist, chest high. But I was just so stoked to be in the water, and uh, yeah, thirty minutes of 
water treatment. It was um, oh, it was amazing back getting back in the drink. Yep. Yeah, nice, man, nice. Oh, good stuff. Hey, uh, just quickly, man, before we let you go, uh, there's a lot of surfing going on around New Zealand at the moment. There's a Billabong Grom series. Uh, we had Mount on the week. You've got Whangamata and uh, Piha to come. And uh, I see there's a Hydro Otago Champs as well. Festival of Longboarding of Papa Moa. It's all happening. Uh, are you likely to be at any of those? No, well, uh, the Groms um, have to be under 16, mate, so I'm far from that. <laughs> I, I didn't mean competing. I just meant you might be there, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no uh, not at the moment. Yeah, once, uh, maybe once Freddie's older, I'll be there cheering him on if he wants to surf. Yeah, but he might want to throw a rugby ball. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> golf. No, more like a golf golf club would uh, be the one. Tell him come see Uncle, mate. I'll, I'll, t- I'll <laughs> show him the way. Yeah, <laughs> get paid with Uncle Izzy. Good stuff, Maz. Hey, thanks very much for your time, brother. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Go well. Good luck with the rehab. Uh, Maz Quinn there with us uh, talking surfing. It is six away from eight here on SENZ, Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. It is a minute away from eight o'clock, which means a minute away from Araha and the latest in news and sport. A few texts coming through on double eight, double three. Why not Stephen Kearney? He's been there and done that. Won a World Cup from Carl. What do you reckon is? Yeah, that's fair shout for sure. Um, Look, there's a lot of things that need to go under, uh, water to go under the bridge, but Stephen Kearney, if he puts his name in, I'm sure he's got a genuine chance to, to coast the Kiwis. All we know right now is Wayne Bennett's put his name in, and that has created the biggest headline and probably the realistic option. Um, whether others are going to have a crack, we'll find out only soon. We're going to have to find out who else has uh, applied for the job. Tony Kemp. CV in the CV in the in there, you reckon? Kempe coaching gig? Yeah, mate. He'll be brutally honest with the old Kempe. <laughs> Bloody miss the old Kempe. I miss you, brother. We'll get him back. We'll get him back at some point, mate. No doubt. No doubt. Clive said he's been walking around Bay Oval and the test work looking very green. So if you're a uh, looking forward to that test against the Proteas, might be one for the pace bowlers. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. It's three past eight on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ and a big hour coming up. Mark Clayton joins us for Love Racing before nine o'clock. Paul Mawati is also going to join us from the TAB. Time for your texts and your calls as well. Thanks to Ben who's texted through as well. Uh, glad you're enjoying the show, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some news for you in the near future. But uh Big day today, Izzy, in terms of uh, football because the English Premier League is back after a break for the FA Cup on the weekend and we've got a full round of matches over the next couple of days. Yep, it's going to be big. Um, there's, what, the transfer window? How long we got left in that it before that cl- thing closes? closes, I think, Friday morning New Zealand time, about 11 o'clock. So, yeah, it's only a day and a half away and there, there hasn't been a, lot, a whole heap of business done eh, by the big clubs. Yeah, okay. What about Manchester United are getting ready to finalise the acquisition of Jared Branthwaite before the transfer deadline expires on Thursday? In an effort to bolster their defence, can you see that happening from Everton, the 21-year-old? I, I think, to be honest, it, it's going to be one that happens in, in the off-season. I don't think it'll happen before mm. the end of the week because for two reasons. United, I just don't think, have enough uh, breathing room with uh, financial fair play. And two, Everton are battling relegation, and he's one of their best defenders. It mm. could cost them a hell of a lot more than $40 million if they go down. 
yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. You touched on it last week, like comparing it to previous years, the transfer window. Obviously, Chelsea with the new ownership bought plenty, but this one has been rather subpar. There hasn't been big movers. No, hasn't been. Uh, I mean, just this morning, there's been a couple of moves uh, where uh, Crystal Palace have bought a guy, uh, Adam Wharton, midfielder from um, Blackburn Rovers. And Middlesbrough have mm. bought a uh, uh, sorry Aston Villa have bought a, mid, a winger from Middlesbrough uh, for about sixteen million. But I mean those aren't big moves, but they're the biggest moves we've seen in the window so far. So maybe it should be called a non-transfer window. Um, yeah, non-transfer window. <laughs> well, it's quite it's good, mate. Knowing that all the money that gets thrown around in years, it just put a, a little bit of calmness on the EPL. It got pretty crazy there for a bit. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see what our next guest thinks about this because there has a story has just come out saying that in 2023, remember this transfer window opened at the beginning of 2024, right? But for 2023, it was a record-breaking year on international transfers. Around the globe, football clubs spent $7.6 billion on transfers in one calendar year, which is uh, bigger by about $2 billion than the next closest. That is... Unbelievable amounts of money. It's insane amounts Isn't of it? money. It's insane. <laughs> oh, Seven point six billion dollars. Is that pounds? Yeah, that's pounds. That's pounds. That's uh, it's not even dollars. That's pounds. So what's that New Zealand New Zealand money? That's about the New Zealand peso. That's about twenty billion, probably or or seventeen billion. Anyway, somewhere around there. It's stupid money. Stupid money. Mm. But it has been all quiet. And Andy Murray joins us now from Four Four Two Magazine, and Andy. It's been a quiet transfer window thus far. Just lots of clearing the decks, players going out on loan options to buy, things like that, free transfers. Is this just the uh, the bigger clubs in the Premier League getting ready for a massive uh, off-season, do you think? Good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, I don't think so. I think this is the start of a trend we have seen um with Everton uh, and Nottingham Forest uh, falling foul of, uh, of FFP. Everton have been docked 10 points this season already for um, financial mismanagement, effectively. Um, and they have been hit with another, um, uh, another potential fine, uh, along with Nottingham Forest as well. Obviously, Manchester City, there are the famous 115... Um, uh, Point problems that they have uh, that they have got from uh, from past uh, not adhering to financial fair play. So um, the, a, the Premier League is clearly growing some teeth with uh, looking to implement it. Whether you agree with how they're implementing it uh, or not, you know um, the clubs that aren't Manchester City would would, uh, would tell you that that they're not. Um, Aston Villa are supposedly struggling to make uh, to meet FFP. Uh, requirements or will be in the summer and they're going to have to sell a homegrown player to do so. So I think that this window is part of the, uh, like a realignment, I suppose, of, uh, of Premier League clubs not being able to spend quite so freely as they have been in the past. Uh, La Liga have, have had uh, similar, um, similar kind of uh, financial fair play uh, impositions imposed upon the clubs. we all seen the problems that Barcelona have, uh, have had with this, so I think uh, I think yeah, it's um, you know obviously clubs are going to be spending in the summer, 
Um, but I do think that uh, the amounts will be will be less than they have been in the in the past twelve months. Mm, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what does happen in the summer because yeah, that uh, last last twelve month figure seven point six billion dollars around the world is is crazy money. Uh, we we do have a Premier League round back for midweek after a break for the FF uh, for the FA Cup, uh, the FFP Cup. Maybe that's it's not, not maybe not the worst idea uh, <laughs> for a Reno Mandy, but uh, your words, not mine. <laughs> uh, Nottingham Forest host Arsenal uh, is the is the first game that kicks off the. Morning, New Zealand time in about twenty minutes, and you got to say this feels like a sort of game that could potentially be a banana skin. The city grounds a little bit narrower. I don't know if it plays into uh, into Arsenal's um, uh, the way they they like to play, um, and and of course all the pressure is on at the moment because of the way that Liverpool are playing. How do you see Arsenal getting on at the moment? Yeah, I, I, if I remember uh, rightly, um, Forest beat. Uh, Arsenal at the City Grounds uh, last season as well, so um, they clearly do use the the kind of you know the closeness of the of the atmosphere, if you like, it's a proper old school ground, um, the City Grounds uh, to their advantage. Um, you know they've they've gone fairly well under uh, under Nuno Espirito Santo since he replaced Steve Cooper um, sort of just over a month ago um, or so. They've uh, they've won a couple of games since then, a bit of a new manager bounce. Um, they're still struggling with uh, who's playing goal um, uh, at the minute. Um, Matt Turner, former Arsenal goalkeeper, has sort of lost his place um, between the sticks. Um, and Arsenal, from an Arsenal perspective, they certainly need to win. As you say, Liverpool have uh, have performed better than most would probably have uh, expected in the absence of Mo Salah uh, this month. Uh, Wataru Endo, defensive midfielder for them, has also been good. He's also away with uh, with his country, Japan, at the Asian Cup. Um, so yeah, Arsenal need to uh, need a win. Basically, um, you know they they're knocked out uh, of the of the FA Cup now, so it's very much focus uh, focus on the the league and the Champions League uh, now for. For them, um, they still lack a proper goal scorer. That's nothing new. Um, you know, they create so many chances. They play brilliant football, but they still don't have anyone to uh, to stick the ball in the back of the net, which is uh, which is a problem. Week for Liverpool, Liverpool fans. Um, this is Klopp's first EPL game since the big announcement. How do you think this will affect the squad? Virgil van Dijk has already suggested that his future is uncertain. Mo Salah has been linked to Saudi. It's been a huge week for Liverpool fans. It has indeed, yeah. The, the game against Norwich uh, in the FA Cup uh, was, uh, was a pretty emotional one. Um, for the for the fans, um, you know, it took it took a matter of seconds for them to be chanting the Jurgen Klopp chanting the um, Jurgen Klopp song, and uh, you know, Klopp sort of responded uh, afterwards by saying, you know, that's a good thing. The, the fans aren't listening to me already because he didn't want them to sing the song during uh, during the game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it has been it has been an, uh, you know an up and down week. I would say uh, the uh, the Van Dyke. Uh, the Van Dijk answer is your classic uh, football non-committal um, uh, answer. Um, I, I mean, you know, he's going to be. I think it's 33 by the time his contract's up um, in 18 months' uh, time. Uh, I would imagine that there is probably uh, a year's extension that could potentially go uh, go on to that. So I don't see I don't see that being too much of a of a problem um, in in any case. Salah, 
there seems to be less money being spent by Saudi clubs, and also the kind of the reputation of the of the league there has taken a bit of a uh, a bit of a dip with uh, with Jordan Henderson coming back. There's a few others that are thinking about it too, Kareem Benzema among them. Um, so um, so yeah, I look it, it, losing Klopp is obviously a, a big uh, a big blow, but if you replace him well. Uh, Chabi Alonso, the, 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 the significant favourite, and his Bayer Leverkusen team are flying at the moment in the Bundesliga. Um, then uh, I think you can keep, uh, you know, the core of that that squad um, on board. Um, you know, keep keep Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example. You know, he's going to be your, your Liverpool captain for you know um, for, for the next decade or so once uh, once he graduates to that. So. Yeah, it's obviously there have been better weeks to be uh, to be a Liverpool fan, but you know they're still fighting on four fronts to uh, to, to pick up four trophies. Um, you know, and the squad is undoubtedly going to be playing for, for for its manager to you know get him the trophies and the big trophies at that. You know, the Premier League that his time at, uh, at Liverpool undoubtedly deserves. Andy, uh, Newcastle uh, are also in action today. They play Villa at Villa in the uh, later kickoff. Um, is it too early to say this is must win for Eddie Howe in terms of getting this team back into Europe next season? A little bit, but look, they're going to have to start picking up points at, uh, uh, at some some stage. You know, I get I get they've had um, significant uh, significant injuries this season uh, to go with uh, the the betting suspension for Sandro Tonali, uh, which wouldn't have been foreseen at the start of. Uh, the start of the season, or they claim to have not foreseen it anyway. I don't know what the truth is there with the with the South Racing Milan. Um, but and, but anyway, um, they yeah they after a strong start to the season they are they are struggling. Um, you know, it's only kind of like one or two wins from from their their last ten or so. Um, so you know, I think you can almost uh, almost certainly write off uh, Champions League football for them next season. Um, and um, you know, even the even the Europa League or Europa Conference League, they're going to have to start picking up uh, picking up wins. Uh, there are rumours of uh, FFP issues for for them as well. Uh, Callum Wilson supposedly up for sale. Miguel Almiron was uh, as as well, but has uh, has kind of dug his heels in and says had said no, I don't want to go. Um, so um, so yeah, look. I don't think he's under. I don't think he's under pressure yet, um, more so than than any the, the, than any you know Premier League manager um, uh, would be. But uh, yeah, certainly if we're in, if we're in a similar situation um, within you know in a month's time or so, then uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'd be worried if I was uh, Eddie Howe. I think you'll see out the season. But certainly, I think European football is would have been, would be the minimum requirement for. Uh, for the Saudi ownership, and they will look to take a decision on that uh, in the summer. If uh, if it's uh, you know if there's no Europe, I mean they're, they're going to be looking at Europa League minimum. I, I would have thought um, you know even even Europa Conference League may not be may not be enough. Andy, one of the biggest headlines of the weekend and lately has been Marcus Ratsford. For the Manchester United, he was available. He's going to be available for Thursday's clash with the Wolves, despite being spotted in the Belfast nightclub last week. We saw him miss training. What sort of message does this send 
uh, to for for an organisation that allows players like Marcus Rashford to be bigger than the team? Because I was reading Van Persie said back in the day, I think it was 2013, two players went out post a loss. And Sir Alex Ferguson posted two pictures of them in the changing room, pretty much outing them. Yeah, it, it's um, it's uh, the the biggest problem for with with Rashford is it's not the first time this season with um, that mm. uh, that he's been um, in a nightclub. Um, uh, you know, I. I don't really, I don't really see too much of a problem with you know players need need to decompress however, however they do. I, I don't think he's he's a massive drinker, so the kind of, you know, the the alcohol and the recovery from from that isn't isn't necessarily too much of a problem. You know, it's the it's the precedent that it sets, and certainly certainly with the um uh with this with this latest episode is the you know. Rashford ringing the ringing the club to say, oh yeah, I'm not going to make it to to, to training because I'm ill. It, you know that that doesn't that doesn't really cut it. Um, mm. the, the the most interesting thing about uh, about this is uh, a Ten Hag sort of saying it's being dealt with uh, internally. Obviously, Rashford didn't play at the at the weekend, but at no stage did he, did, has he said um, as he did for the first time this season with the with Rashford being in a nightclub um, is and uh, Rashford's apologised. And the kind of situation with Jaden Sancho has been earlier this season has been well he won't uh, you know he won't apologise to Ten Hag, so therefore until he does apologise he's not going to play for Manchester United anymore. So I'd sort of find the, uh, the you know the, what has not been said almost uh, as as interesting as uh, what, what what was said by uh, Ten Hag in in relation to that this week. Um, you know, the fact that Rashford is not having a good season doesn't help um, with any of these uh, with any of these matters. But you know, he is that streaky kind of player anyway. Um, you know, uh, last season was comfortably the, the best of his career, but he has had other seasons before where he's struggled for form, fitness. Uh, and so on. You know, it was he did have a sort of six months to a year or so outside of uh, Gareth Southgate's England squad, for example. Um, so you know, he he can be streaky in consistency over over seasons is uh, is his biggest weakness. You know, the the talent is undoubtedly there. We all know that. Um, so hopefully, this this second uh, example of this this season is a is a wake up call to him, and he can knuckle mm. down because you know he's not he's not a bad guy. Uh, we've seen it with all of the kind of community work that uh, that he that he's done for you know hungry kids in the in the UK much more so than than the UK government has done. Um, that you know he he recognises the uh, you know the role model that uh, that he is, and um, hopefully uh, he'll learn from this and come back uh, you know stronger, better player, and um, uh, and get United into into the top four. That they that they want as a as a minimum this season. Andy, we 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 talk about players being under pressure. We talk about managers being under pressure. There's one bloke who I've noticed who there's not much talk about pressure. Vincent Company, former Man City captain, is now taking his Burnley side tomorrow to Man City. Uh, Burnley very much entrenched in the relegation zone. No talk about him losing his job. Are you surprised about that? Um. I think, uh, look, uh, the season that Burnley had last year in getting promoted out of the out of the championship is uh, obviously 
provides him with serious um, uh, credit in the bank. Um, you know, the, the Burnley, the Burnley ownership um, has kind of said as much. You know, that they were sort of had a sort of three to five year plan of, of getting back into into the top flight, and this is kind of last season. Uh, it exceeded their their expectations more than you could possibly imagine. So, um, I can under I uh, I can see where where they're coming from, and I actually quite admire um, you know the attitude that they're taking it. Um, the kind of the way that Burnley played in the Championship, the sort of Man- Manchester City style, if you like, with the inverted fullbacks coming in to form kind of part, uh, auxiliary central midfielders, uh, the passing football that just hasn't been part of the, you know, the Burnley psyche, the Burnley philosophy uh, for, you know, decades, really. Um, you're going back to like almost the 1960s when, when they were winning, um, you know, first division titles, the glory days of, uh, of Burnley, if you like. Um, but the problem, the problem is that you don't get that in the championship. So it's new, it's different. And they had the players to be able to do that because they have better players. They don't have that luxury in the Premier League, and that's their that's their biggest problem. You can see with um, uh, the season that Luton are having this uh, this term, that kind of direct up and atom sort of style, that that tends to do quite well in the Premier League because not many teams are used to having to face it. Um, so that point of difference is that was in Burnley's favour, if you like, last year with. Uh, their you know progressive free flowing football is now against them this year because lots of teams try to play that like that and they do it with better players. Um, so I think part of that goes uh, goes with goes with company. He had such a great season last uh, last season. Um, that's that's to his credit as well. And I do admire the the stance they're taking. And hopefully it's kind of part of a part of a bigger a bigger project. You know, if they do go down, which is looking fairly likely at the minute. Um, then you know they can rebuild again, come back up with you know better players, more of a sense of uh, what they can do to stay up next time. And you know I do think they've been a little bit unlucky in some uh, some games that they that they've played. You know a little bit more steel at the back, and um, they may well have got more results than they have done uh, this season. You know, they've conceded quite a few late goals, so um, so yeah, we'll see how we go with that. But I, I certainly wouldn't expect to see. It, it, I think it would just be bizarre with the squad that company's got. If you get rid of him and then you bring in, you know, your classic Sam Allardyce to 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 then you know keep them up, um, you know, that is a long way from happening, by the way. But you know, he's never going to be able to get the tune out of those players uh, to keep them up in the uh, up in up in the division as they are. So I think kind of keeping sticking with sticking by company is the is the best way forward. Sam, Sam Allardyce isn't going to be available, mate. He'll be coaching Liverpool, so don't worry about that. Uh, good stuff, Andy. Thanks <laughs> yeah, very much. Yeah, with a pint of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Allardyce, just ch- ch- chuck a different name on the on the CV and he's away. Uh, thanks for joining yeah, us, yeah, mate, yeah, and uh, enjoy the uh, the Kent Senior Cup tonight that I know you're on the way to. Mate, I'm not going to make it. I'm just, I've been stuck in traffic on the M25 for the last hour and a half with an accident, so I'm barely going to make kickoff. I'm absolutely raging. <laughs> well, I hope that eases for you, mate. Travel yeah, safe. Yeah. We'll talk again but, soon, but, eh? Absolutely, yeah. Exactly, yeah. You saved me from just shouting at motorists. So, um, <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Andy Murray there Thanks, from Andy. 442 Magazine with us. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. Bang on 8.30, is how you get hold of us, or 0800 150 811 like Graham has from Christchurch. Morning, Graham.
G'day Ricardo, Izzy, Happy New Year, I know it's old hat now to say that, but yeah, great interview with the uh, Irish uh, guy, I forget his last name, Brian. Moylet. Moylet, about the, uh, you know, the mental skills coach, I recently read Wayne mm. Smith's book, so, uh, and he was talking about Gilbert Anoka and that, so uh, yeah, a uh, great book by the way, I think you'd enjoy it Izzy, but uh, yeah, no, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive about the Crusaders, I think that it is about rebuilding, but they won't, they, yeah. will, they will be looked upon it as going forward and winning and they're rebuilding in some areas but they'll be developing these and, and this tour it won't be about the complete results on the field either I don't think because <laughs> they're going to uh, they're going to throw probably two different teams out there these are the Munster and Bristol have their top teams as we know and it's great they've got the crowds because I think it's fantastic to have a, events like this you know spread you know with, with the Irish and English getting to see the Crusaders and, and vice versa so yeah, I don't. I think that's just the way they'll be looking at it. Graham, just on Rob Penny, you've been a big part of Canterbury Rugby, a big supporter for a very long time. Rob Penny, through the the NPC days, mate, and he's gone and coached the Waratahs. He's up been over in Munster. Have you? What have you seen from Rob Penny, and what are your expect, expectations for him this season? Well, obviously, it's. I mean, it's been overly probably uh, stated. We know he's following yeah. Scott Robertson, and that's. Yeah. People view it as vision imp- mission impossible, but I, I was, you know, with the Canterbury team as a supporter through the years that Rob won, you know, numerous NPC titles and ran fairly Shield games too. So and he was an assistant with Robbie Deans and etc. etc. So yeah, I, I mean, I think that he'll maintain a very high standard. He brought Scott Robertson through early in his NPC yeah. career when he gave up rugby when Razor came back from France. So, yeah, that, that I, I just think, yeah, he's a different person, but he's also someone with a lot of empathy and, and you know, standards. And I think that he he comes from the right... He's got, as Colin Mansbridge said, the right DNA in terms of trying to make... Yeah, I think, I think things will... Be good, really good under Rob. He's a good man. Yeah, yep. the right, the right DNA for the Crusaders comes out of Hawks Bay, doesn't it? That's how you, that's how you, that's how you do <laughs> oh, that. Especially, especially one particular fullback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff, Graham. <laughs> hey, listen, thanks very much for your call, mate. Go well and uh, enjoy those preseason games. Oh yeah, well, thank you. Good Cheers. to see you guys. Yeah, Talk good to, to chat. Yeah, it's twenty-eight away from nine o'clock. Paul Mawadi, not too far away from the TAB. We'll also catch up with Mark Clayton. Big uh, race meet at Tarapa today. Here's a love racing update for us right now. Though here is Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's 25 away from 9 o'clock. Uh, still to come, Mark Clayton with uh, a Love Racing update before 9 and Daniel McCarty as well. Right now, though, uh, Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Uh, morning, Paulie. A big morning. Lots of football on. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's right, uh, Ricardo. And I think we've... Uh, what got a game just underway between Nottingham Forest and Arsenal in the English Premier League? Uh, currently, Forest nine dollars, Arsenal a dollar thirty. The draw at four dollars and fifty cents, and a number of um, other matches in the Premier League about to uh, kick off in the next uh, half an hour or so. So, plenty of action in terms of uh, football. Uh, also, the NBA uh, today. A number of games. Uh, starting uh, later on this afternoon. The big one, of course, uh, the Boston Celtics hosting the Indiana Pacers. We've got a same-game claim uh, on that match. Uh, just play same-game multi, and if you miss by one, uh, three or more leagues, same-game multi, and if you miss by one league, 
Uh, you can get a bonus bet up to $50. Uh, of course, the Pacers, welcome back Tyrese Halliburton. Um, they're on a three-game win streak, um, but heading into Boston to take on the Celtics is always a very, very uh, tough uh, endeavour, and they are seven-and-a-half-point favourites, the Boston Celtics, at the moment. Uh, $1.32 head-to-head for the Celtics, three thirty for the Pacers, the Celtics, uh, one of the most popular teams in the NBA at the moment. They have the best record and are looking very, very good for the business end of the season. Yeah, they are. They, uh, they've they been cleaning it up. I think their, their home record this season is 21-2 and two at the Garden. So uh, they're, they're, they're tough to beat at home, Paulie. Uh, tell you, you, you're taking much on uh, on Forest in this game. I, I think nine bucks is quite generous. They've won their last three against Arsenal at the city ground. Uh, uh, Forest, we have... Um, I guess a small core of hardcore Forest fans who always punt uh, on Nottingham Forest, um, but by far and away, um, the the most action we've seen on that match um, before it started, and indeed uh, since the game has uh, what into its sixth minute now, um, Arsenal are by far and away um, the most popular, uh, I guess, in terms of turnover. Um, of all of the English Premier League matches today, uh, Arsenal have been the best back. So, yeah, um, we're hoping for an upset, and we hope that those uh, Nottingham Forest supporters who have uh, backed uh, their team at around the $9 mark uh, maybe get a bit of a return today. But, yeah, in terms of the bulk of the punters, they're on the arse to win today. Well, we've got a race. Uh, we've got a 10 race card at Tarapa today, there, Paul Imwari. I know you've got a bonus back promotion for races one and two, so that is good. You're always thinking about the punters. Anything, any of the market movers, where's all the money going in terms of today's meeting at Tarapa? Yeah, uh, excellent, Izzy. Thanks for mentioning the fact that I tipped you out a winner yesterday at the Palmerston North Dogs. Yep, yeah, very happy that I did that <laughs> for you, Izzy. Um, hopefully. <laughs> You'll you'll be able to buy yourself a new pair of sunglasses um, with the winnings that you got yesterday. Uh, but oh. yes, you're right there. <laughs> there's a there's a bonus back promotion on the first two race, uh, races uh, at Tarapa today, back to second and third. And in the second race at Tarapa today, over the 2100 metres, there's been a huge, huge go. Number 12, first innings, $12 into $5, trained by Andrew Forsman. A three-year-old son, a contributor, to be ridden by Joe Doyle. Um, a nice fourth first up at uh, Rotorua, um, and then just found a wee bit of trouble last time out at Ellerslie. So $12 into $5 on number 12 first innings in the second race uh, at uh, Tarapa today over the 2,100 metres. It's a good old go. So hopefully first innings can... Uh, get your day started off in a winning way uh, at Tarapa. That race due to start at 2.07 this afternoon. Now, uh, also coming up soon, uh, Paul, we've got some uh, more cricket. Uh, the Aussies taking on the Windies in a one-dayer. India-England second test as well. And then the Proteas are here as well to take on the Black Caps. That test gets underway Sunday. Uh, how are those markets looking and where's the money going? Yeah, uh, first of all, Australia-West Indies, the first one-day international. Uh, West Indies buoyed by that big win in the last test match between the two sides, but they're significant outsiders for the first uh, one-day international. They're $5.45. The Aussies are $1.13. 
uh, in that uh, second test match between India and England. Uh, India still warm favourites at $1.48. England at $3.30. The draw at $8.70. Look, England, uh, they've taken the bulk of the uh, turnover uh, in that second test at $3.30. Of course, uh, with uh, Baz McCallum, you never know what he's going to pull out of the bag. And uh, I hear there are rumours that he could um, go into this test match with a, a five-pronged uh, spin attack. Um, I, I, I can't. I don't believe that. Uh, but you never know with Baz. He does it. He doesn't mind thinking outside the box. And um, it's something. It's an initiative that he could well spring on the Indians. I'd say he goes in with at least one uh, medium pacer. Uh, really? But yeah, at the moment, yeah. Like you said yesterday, mate, don't listen to anything you hear in the media, mate. Bessie doesn't do anything by the book. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very inter- uh, interesting to see what sort of uh, bowling lineup Baz goes into the second test, uh, which starts uh, Friday our time. But yeah, he, they have been, and he is, very popular with New Zealand punters. So England 3.30, and I think the bookies are currently working on the odds for that first test match between the Black Caps and the uh, South African test team uh, due to start this Sunday. Uh, so hopefully we'll have those out later on this afternoon sometime. Good stuff, Paulie. Go well, mate. Have a great day, and uh, good luck at Tarapa. Cheers, Paulie. Yeah, cheers, boys. Go well. Cheers. Uh, check out all the odds, uh, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18, will we come back? Love racing with Mark Clayton. 13 away from 9 o'clock here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Love Racing.NZ, your home of thoroughbred racing. Mark Clayton joins us. And Clayton, a big day at Tarapa. Maybe somewhere you could go fill up so you can head to Karaka and buy yourself a horse. <laughs> yeah, good morning, uh, Ricardo. That's a very, very good idea. Yeah, it's a big race today. The Waikato Guineas Group 2. 160,000, and man, it's a really star-studded field of three-year-olds, and you know, not, not many of these have had a run over ground, over 2,100 metres, and you got to sort out the ones who are looking for their trip and the ones who are proven over it, so, I mean, you've sort of got to keep coming back to Renegade Rebel, don't you? They kick their brains in it, uh, Ellerslie. Renegade Rebel paying seven bucks, written by Matthew Cameron, uh, all eyes will be looking on that. There's some good money. There's nothing that's really standing out on the toe. But if you look at Ascend the, Thro- the Throne with Opie Bosson and Walker Burgesson, is that a threat as well? Oh, definitely. If you can get $7 around Opie, um, beautifully mm. bred horse too by Stavabeel. Um Yeah, look, he's uh, building up nicely. He won at Matter Matter over the 2,000 metres, so that's going to play right into his favour. And he's another one like... Uh, Renegade Rebel, so you get $7 around the both. I mean, why not have a play around both of them? Oh, have a little Quinella. All right there, uh, Clado. I caught up with you on the weekend, mate. It was great to catch up. It was a good weekend. Have you come down from that big Karaka Millions at uh, Ellerslie on the weekend? Have you come down? We couldn't <laughs> you down. You're, you're <laughs> loving it out there. Oh, look, it was in, just been on course early, is he? And as, as we built up to the first race, like, mate, it was just like, you know, you're going to the birth of your first child. It was like, you know, all the tinglies and the anticipation and the butterflies in your stomach. It was um, it was real good. And, yeah, the racing, gee, left nothing to desire, did it? That was beautiful, apart from the punting side of things. All right, mate, let's flip back to Tarapa just quickly before we get to the sales. Tarapa today, I need your help. Well, we all need your help. 
on a wee multi. I've got a bonus bet that I'd like to use today at Tarapa. It can be a top four, top three, it can be a win. If you're going to give me a three-leg multi, can you give me one, please? Put you on the spot. Can I give you one? Oh, look, I always like going to the last race. Um, and look, I, I think poetic justice. Okay. If you're looking for a big click, you, you don't go to the place, do you? Because I think $2 a place is pretty good money. You double, double your uh, multi with that. Poetic justice, raced here, written by... Michael McNabb, uh, trained by Tony Pike. That is paying $2, $4.80 on the fix, $3.30 on the tote. So that is one. I need another two. Oh, you want me to do the whole lot for you? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, you could ring my own 900 number if you like. But, uh... <laughs> well, look, you, you, you like a steam the throne. Like, like, why not chuck a steam the throne? And do, you want, do you want to just like build a bank or do you want to go, do you want to go big and hard? Uh, build a bank. Okay, we'll go to see him the throne of place because he's proven over the 2,000 metres and, and once again you're getting $2 a place. Okay. One more. And uh, just trying to rip through the field here. Um, I'll tell you actually what I don't mind, Clato, and I don't know if you've got any word on this because, you know, my punting history is legendary, uh, but race five, <laughs> uh, horse one, it's drawn barrier one, Joe Doyle on board, William Money sitting at around $2.30 a place. There you go. There you go. Joe, Joe Doyle, um, Tim and Margaret Carter kicked off his career in New Zealand. So um, he's a special, special combination there. So William Money, drawn barrier one. He's had the one start for a third. You know, he's the son of Vespa. He's having a bit of a trot at the moment. He won the, he won the crack a million two-year-old like 10 years ago, Vespa, and all his progeny seem to be kicking goals and winning races. Beautiful. So, yeah, all right, nice here we go. Place. I've got a wee multi going. Look, let's be honest, you haven't really convinced me. I'm not sure of anything today, uh, Clato, but that's all right. That's okay. All right, Clato, just quickly, mate. <laughs> I can't pick my nose, let alone help you help me pick anything. Okay. Put all your thoughts out of it. That's what we're here for. That's what we pay all that money for. Mate, Caracas Sales, you've been casting your eye over the book one. I think it's been completed. Jamie Richards has landed a prize deep field cult to head back to uh, Hong Kong in deep field. What have you made of the sales so far, bud? Oh, very good. I uh, went out there with a right, real good buzz on the ground, and I think now's mm. the time for you to go. You know, book two, sort of one the pocket too much, I'm sure you can run that past Daisy and Ricardo, like he'll, he'll take a 10% and... oh, Mate, Ricardo, I have to get he struggled, I don't know if Ricardo will... would you ever buy a horse, Ricardo? Probably not <laughs> oh, Just get a 10% Ricardo, you, you, you won't know yourself, mate, by the time you go through all the hard yards, you get to the races Get to the trials and get to the races, mate. I reckon you'll be a bigger fan than we are. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, to be honest, the only reason I picked William Money uh, is that that's the name of Clint Eastwood's character in one of my favourite ever westerns, The Unforgiven. <laughs> so there you go. That's, 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 that's how I punt, mate. That's how I punt. Although that said, I was still a grand up from uh, Caracas, so I was, I, was, I, was, I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> hey, cheers, Clayto. Go well, brother. Good luck on the punt, the Savo. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. Yeah, it's a great day of racing.
Cheers, mate. I love racing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles, and more. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. When we come back, Daniel McCarty's with us. And it's a couple of minutes away from 9 o'clock. Daniel McCarty in with us now. Uh, morning, Daniel. I, I have a text that I would like to ask you because you may have a better idea than we do because we don't have an idea. Uh, morning, fellas. Can you tell me the reason behind the first test starting on a Sunday? It seems idiotic to me. Why would they not start it on a Friday or at least finish it on a Sunday so people can actually go? Interesting question, isn't it? It's mm. one of those funny weekends with what, a public holiday on Tuesday. A lot of people might have taken long weekends, so maybe they're thinking that or um, it just might be a scheduling issue with South African cricket. Um, you've probably uh, heard that, the, that, that that's caused a few issues. Yeah, that's well, a few, well so, a, a few issues. So. so they're starting on Sunday <laughs> so they can get their top side here, is that what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to go to South Africa and catch up with our good friend Kukikula, who we caught, talk, talked a lot with during the Rugby World Cup, uh, to, trying to find out what these South African fans are thinking of the Proteas being over here. I've just finished speaking to him about 15 minutes before the Bafana Bafana kickoff in the African Cup of Nations, Rick Dog. So he's absolutely packing himself right now at the thought of being eliminated. Um, the the ugly stepbrother of uh, you know South African sport, uh, Bafana Bafana. They they love them, but they hate the results they tend to produce. So we'll hear from him after 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk Jurgen Klopp leaving at Liverpool at some stage, and Sean Gill out of the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, to talk about their new signing um, as they make uh, you know bolster their squad and, and look to make a run. Wayne Bennett's in my thinking for the sermon and talkback today. And is there a team? Is there a team where you draw the line of New Zealanders can't coach? And is it the Springboks? And is it Tony Brown? Is he <laughs> in a sentence? In a word? <laughs> You're not going to answer. Baffled. Baffled. <laughs> Israel Dag, Springboks coach, could never. Oh, I'll never say those words. <laughs> <laughs>